All right. Well, we're here with episode two of the Shuttlecock podcast. I'm here with Antonio Marquez of Spine and, you know, just a good deal of other Kansas City hardcore bands over the years. Uh, how you doing, Antonio? What's up, dude? <laughs> uh, so I guess we can just start with just the most recent developments with with your music and just kind of go back after that. So your your band Spine that you sing in uh, just got signed to Bridge Nine Records, a pretty, you know, infamous hardcore label. Um, yeah, just tell me about uh, how you got linked up with them. Yeah, so um, basically, you know, we done, uh, we've already done uh, a few seven inches. Uh, we did the LP, and so we wanted to do uh, another OP. We've had some material that we recorded, um, just some rough stuff. And I think up until this point, you know, um, we have kind of had like a, an aversion uh, per se to, uh, to being like a, on a label. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of goes back to like uh, when we uh, originally wanted to release the seven, in, uh, seven inch of ours with uh I'm sorry, the LP with Youth Attack, um, it wasn't that it was like an awful experience, but we just kind of realized uh, early on that we wanted to have more control over all those things. And so um, when we were uh, kind of brainstorming ideas of where to go for this next record, um, John at that point in time had uh, stated he he no longer wanted to release the records, which that was a big point for us is that um, we uh, you know recorded that stuff ourselves and then we basically... Uh, them ourselves and mm. and release them ourselves and so with John not wanting to do it and wanting to explore some other ideas we just talked and, and wanted to kind of see like what opportunities would be out there if there was a label that would be interested in in giving us the resources to be able to maybe record in like an actual studio or have uh, money to do um, you know some some cool artwork um, and really kind of um, put it all out there and I think um, the situation with Bridge Nine came up and and ended up being a, a really really cool opportunity for us. Uh, thus far, they've been uh, incredible to work with, um, and so we're very uh, very excited about the the record. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so you're saying that John, like he his label Bad Teeth Recordings, had put out most of your guys' past stuff. Uh, why did he choose not to put out this one? Was it just like too much work to keep putting in every time? Yeah. So John, um, John's getting ready to get married and he just bought a, uh, like a townhome in uh, the suburbs of Chicago. And, uh, the amount of uh, money that goes into, uh, you know, putting in the record is, a you know, a little over a grand, two grand or so. Uh, and then having to deal with mail order and distribution and all that stuff, uh, is just, uh, pretty stressful. And I think for him, he just kind of felt like, you know, that coupled with the fact that we're kind of at a point where, you know, we should maybe look into taking that next step to see what's out there. I think that's what kind of brought him to the uh, conclusion that he'd, you know, much rather not put it out for those reasons. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure if push came to shove, we would have put it out ourselves. But I think with us being a band now for, when did we start? Five, six years now. Mm -hmm. So, um, having, you know, as many releases that we've, that we've had thus far, um, I think we kind of just wanted to see what, what we're kind of capable of, I guess, from, from, you know, having a label support us and, you know, maybe some better distribution and having resources to record. Um, you know, we just kind of wanted to see what, what could happen and if that possibility was out there, you know, so. 
Yeah, because you guys have, like, gained a pretty um, healthy following, you know, from, like, all all the touring that you guys have done and all the re- releases you've put out so far. So I guess it is kind of logical. Like, you've, you've pretty much, you know, uh, tackled everything that, like, a, a completely independent band can do at, like, you know, for the genre of hardcore. So I think... Yeah, I guess that is really the next step if you want to just keep moving. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like, uh, <clears throat> and this was a serious conversation we had. It's kind of like, where do we go from here, right? Uh, we've we've played, I mean, we haven't played the West Coast in a while, but we've played the East Coast several times, played the you know Midwest. There's really not a lot of things, per se, from a show perspective of, like, things that we really want to do other than maybe go to Japan and Europe, which are uh, ultimate goals and um, and so, you know, what is that, what is that, what do we have left to do? I mean, uh, spine's not like rush or anything, right. We're not going to have like some crazy another record that's going to sound very different than the first, you know, like, uh, everything's, you know, kind of a, a slow evolution of our sound, um, nothing drastic. So it's like, what, you know, what, what do we do? Where do we go? Um, and where do we want to take it, you know, and do we want to take it anywhere? You know, like, how do we feel like we've been like we've accomplished everything we've wanted to do with this band, you know? And I think, uh, we, uh, we had it yet. And that's, this was kind of one of those steps in that direction, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you guys are kind of on the vert, like you're preparing to release your LP with bridge nine, like later this year, early next year, you'd say. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would say like safe side, I'd say early next year. Mm -hmm. Um, but who knows? Maybe it'll come out by the end of this year. So, but I, I think ideally, I think it would be um, early next year, as we've been talking about it. So, and and you were saying that you know you don't think it's going to have like all these crazy new concepts and sounds for the band. But do you have the songs that you guys have been working on so far sound any different at all to you than past stuff? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, everything that we've done has been a little bit different right but you know we don't have like unfortunately we don't have like fucking synthesizers and stuff (laughs) like you know on the record which would be sick right but that's not the case that's not really the progression we're going into so um i would say that i would say the material that we've been coming up with thus far especially the two songs we released in the promo are um, definitely more in line with um the deny seven inch uh where it's uh just kind of a heavier, maybe more punishing sound, but still a uh, heavy influence with uh, the Cro-Mags, yeah. which is a band that we all like love immensely, especially, um, you know, the era of Age of Quarrel. So I love all eras of Cro-Mags, but I just need to throw that out there because there's many people in the band that don't like all eras of Cro-Mags. So, um, but yeah, I would say that the the LP will have a lot of Cro-Mags influence on there. Mm. So. so I guess, you know, you're on the verge of, you know, putting this out and, you know, hopefully you're reaching, you know, the largest audience you have so far. But I guess I just want, I'm a little curious about it, just how you became involved in hardcore in the first place. I guess we'll just kind of rewind and get back to this point at another point. So sure. Um, well, I truth be told, the way I got into hardcore was not through punk music, right? I got into hardcore through through metal. I was into, you know, the most... I was always trying to find the most extreme um, style of music that wasn't, like, super noodly and ridiculous, right? No offense to anybody that likes all that stuff, but I don't like it. It's not my thing. So 
I always wanted to hear what was the most raw Neanderthal, bare bones, like where, like straight up like Adam and Eve shit. Like where did this come from, right? And mm-hmm. so when I was younger, I would seek out bands from Rockabilia catalogs and uh, you know CD. What is it? A uh, uh, Columbia House, you know. It's in those pamphlets for like eight CDs for a penny or something like that. Like, you know, because we didn't have, uh, you know, you didn't really have like the internet wasn't that, you know, jumping and, you know, jiving, I would say. So um, I got into it, you know, through metal. So my dad actually from New York, um, he had a few records. He had a um, an SOD record. Um, he had a Chromags, uh, Age of Coral record. And he had a uh, Agnostic Front, uh, Cause for Alarm record. And so, honestly, when I was younger, I would see the Cause for Alarm record, which uh, Sean Taggart did the uh, illustrations for it, and there's, like, a skinhead on it or whatever. And as a kid, like, you hear skinhead, you're like, oh, like, Dad, why are you listening to this, like, racist music, right? Um, Regardless of what you think about the songs, if they're questionable or not, but just the imagery (laughs) of that record, uh, I'm like, Dad, this is, like, racist, right? Like, this shit sucks. Like, I'm not going to fuck with this, like, ever. But, um, But at that point in time, like... I guess I just wasn't open to it until we got Napster. Right? So we're talking like, I don't know, what is this, 99, 2000 or whatever? Mm-hmm. Napster. And my dad, like, you know, first like 14 songs or whatever that are downloaded on there that take forever. Uh, one of them is a world piece from Chromax. And then I listened to it. I was like, man, this is like incredible, like changed my life, right? Mm-hmm. And then from then on, I just started to kind of like, you know, pick away kind of like, what you know, what are some bands that sound like that? My introduction to more like punk, my first introduction to punk sucked. It was awful. Yeah. Uh, I remember in 2001, Sam Goody, um, the CDs were like 20 bucks a piece, 25 bucks a piece, which is ridiculous, right? Yeah. Thinking about that now. Um, but they had a section, if it was like a comp section, it was it was a lot less money. So like maybe like ten, five to 10 bucks. And then it would be heavily discounted, especially the time of the year. So I remember I went in and I was like, you know what? Like, I want to find some more stuff like Chromags or whatever. So what do I do? I fucking buy Punkorama Volume 1, 2, nice, and 3, right? Nice. So uh, I get them, and I'm like, I, I like, I'm listening to it. And granted, in my in my head, like, I've been listening to, like, more, like, you know, new metal and, like, like Doom stuff, right? So um, I haven't really, like, embraced this whole, like, explosion of pop punk, which is what a lot of that stuff was on there. Yeah. And I tell you what, I thought all that shit sucked. I was like, this is all throwaways. Like, there's a few songs on there. Like, I think Agnostic Front had a song on there, and it was like, I, I can't remember if it was Right, Right, Upstart, or what. Uh, then H2O's song, Guilty by Associations, on one of the punkaramas. Mm. And uh, I don't like H2O. Like, they're not really my thing, but that song I really liked. I mean, it's really spoke to me at uh, at that age. Um, you know, because, you know, you're hanging out with your, like, skater kids and, like, you know, fucking around, like, doing, like, crazy stuff. But, like, you know, I was a good kid, so, like, I never <laughs> got into those things, but I'd always get in trouble because, you know, I'm hanging out with these guys, guilty mm-hmm. by association, judged by who I know. So, um, so anyways, uh, I got it, and I remember it sucked. So what did I do? I went out and bought the Busta Rhymes CD, and I bought the, uh, uh, what was it, the... Um, System of a Down uh, Toxicity CD. Ooh, you just right? like completely rebelled there. Yeah, I was just like, this is if this is what punk is. Like, I can't do it. Like, <laughs> like maybe it's right. Maybe there are people who are like, yeah, punk, punk's dead, right? So, I just like, I don't know. I just, I, I was like, this sucks. I don't want to listen to this stuff again. Like, if this is not extreme to me. This is not like cutting edge. This is not. This is. A lot of it's like goofy, like sappy stuff. I think Slick Shoes is on there, like Millicolin, although the Millicolin song on there was pretty good. <laughs> there was just a bunch of weird stuff on there. So anyways, 
Not not the best introduction. Not punk. the best introduction, but I will tell you that my first kind of like entry to this whole thing was metalcore. So metalcore around that time was starting to get kind of popular, and I remember. Um, I can't remember who the first metalcore band was. They weren't even metalcore, right? But they were like really extreme, and it was Lamb of God. So the first Lamb of God thing I ever heard was the New American Gospel. And I remember when it came out, and I was like, "Man, this is this is like so sick. This is like this is extreme. Like this is powerful, and it's not like super noodly, like goofy metal, right?" And then from there, you know, it led me down like a path of like, um, you know, bands like. Uh, what was the next band that I listened to? Every Time I Die, right? So I don't remember the connection with the two of those, but I think it was around the time that I'd started my zine. So as I was getting into like more extreme and like metalcore and stuff, I'd started a zine uh, and it was mostly a ploy for me to be able to get free CDs and tickets to shows, right? Yeah, you've been telling me that before. <laughs> so what was that zine called? Uh, Rule Reporter, actually. So, and the reason, the name of the name is like ridiculous but the reason why the name came about is because i needed a name to tell the record companies so that i could get uh, into these shows and there was a newspaper from the town where i was come called the rural reporter (laughs) because it was (laughs) it wasn't in the city so it was the rural reporter so if i put rural reporter that sounds close enough and if they get mixed up at like a show or on the (laughs) guest list they're gonna be like oh it's the same thing it's fine and you've you've kind of finessed yeah i like absolutely like you know I, I do want to make a magazine, like a physical magazine at some point. Like, that's just something, like, you know, reading ma- music magazines, like, growing up was, like, kind of important to me. Yeah. But, like, I named it Shuttlecock Music Magazine just kind of, like, it, when I started, it was just a blog. Yeah. So, like, the fact that I put Music Magazine at the end, I was like, okay, so this is going to sound much more official and get me into Absolutely. shows, hopefully. So <laughs> that's kind of a good way to go for any, like, budding journalist or uh, scammer, even. Yeah. Music uh, scammer. Uh, yeah, I is guess. It, is it safe to call you that? Uh, you know, I would, I'd, I'd like to look at myself as an opportunist, so I don't <laughs> no, know. I, I know you, you probably did some, like, really cool writing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that. a lot of it was, I mean, the writing part of it was cool, and that was something I kind of explored about myself. I really love music, so being able to write about it was awesome, but getting the CDs and being able to go to some of these shows and meet some of these people was awesome, you know? So when I started this zine, um, it was basically a ploy so I could get metalcore CDs and like hardcore CDs, right? So, and it started off like, you know, I would go to shows at the El Torreon probably 2003. I remember seeing like 18 Visions for the first time, another like Orange County like metalcore band and like bands like Every Time I Die and um, Unearth and Thrice wasn't, you know, they were never like a metalcore band, but, you know, stuff like that that's in line, you know, I would say more like in line with that. And, and uh, you know, I just, Zayo, you know, like I would just, you know, write reviews on that stuff. I do show reviews. Um, and then I had like a few friends that helped me because I didn't know um, how to run a website. So I had a, f- a friend from newspaper who knew how to run a website. website. So he ran the website. I had a few fr- few friends on like staff that like wrote reviews to and stuff. So, cause eventually it just got to a point where I was getting offered to go to stuff like all the time. Um, but anyways, uh, that was kind of like more my entry into like punk was more like metalcore and like bands like 
you know, youth crew bands that were like, you know, more like Champion and Bane. And I remember listening to Youth of Today for the first time in Chain of Strength and just being blown away. Like, like Youth of Today, like the GOAT, like the best like youth crew band and one of the best like like hardcore bands of all time, right? And so that's really how, how I got into it. And then, you know, creating the network of friends that I did um, really helped too because I knew about punk for like, a long time and uh and I loved punk for a long time before I embraced punk mm-hmm. if that makes any sense so like and I'd say I'd probably attribute a lot of that to uh one of my best friends Jesse Street so like when I was younger going to shows and stuff uh and especially being like north of the river it like had a bad stigma especially with kids like in the city and like east of the city and stuff it was like you know I don't know that they're like, you know, mommies and daddies kids, you know what I mean? And like, but I'd legit like you, I'd get dropped off at shows when I was, when I was really young and dad come pick me up. And, you know, Jesse was, was always really cool, but, um, you know, being around him, you know, at a young age and stuff and, and Jesse's not that old, but, um, you know, being younger, cause when I was younger, I always thought he was just so much older than me. And, uh, but just kind of, understanding that DIY spirit of punk and like embracing it and, and kind of taking it to its, to the links really have us brought me to where I'm at today with punk and, and hardcore. Right. Um, because there's a certain amount, in my opinion, I think there's a certain amount of respect and a certain amount of, I guess a, a certain amount of ideology that you have to embrace when it comes to punk to really get it right. And the whole point of it is, it is probably that more that DIY ethic, right? Hence why Spine up until this point has always put out our own stuff, yeah. you know? Not that not that now that we're going to put out a record on a label that makes us not that, you know? I think it just I think that just takes us to a different level. We still embrace those ideals. I mean, we still I still do all the mail order. I still do a lot of the stuff, but embracing those ideals I think is what is punk, right? Mm. So, um but that's I would say that that was my entry into uh, punk at a young age. And so you said you, you met Jesse at, in that era. Uh, is that like, did you meet him through school or no, uh, the Kinsey hardcore message board. Oh yeah. Back in the day it was just, uh, so the message board, I can't remember what version this one was, but it, like message boards at that point in time was just like a web page, and then you had threads, yeah. right? And then you had like replies into the threads. It wasn't like you actually went into a portal and you could you know read everything. It was just like you could see stuff. And that was like the most uh, insane <laughs> experience because like, and it was very intimidating, right? Because you've got all these guys, you know, you've got Sarge, Chris, you know, Orc, you've got like uh, John Barker, Jason Shrout. Jesse Street, Mary Casey, Nick Beffert, Dustin Albright, uh, Austin, uh, like you've got like all these guys, right? And, and really like what really dominated the Kansas City hardcore scene when I was younger wasn't like punk punk bands, right? I knew about them, but it was mostly like that metalcore scene. So, and those guys were notorious, like straight up bullies, 100%. Yeah. Like, and they would, they would definitely like fess up to that. But that's how like, and, and really like from there, like I met Jesse at shows and I met those guys at shows. I didn't really get to meet them, um, meet them like I did until like being more involved on that message board. But, uh, so you heard about the shows happening close to you through the message board? Yeah. 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 It, like as, like you mentioned, like as terrible as like some of that message board culture can be like, 
if you're if you're like a part of one of those and like you're you're on there all the time, like that can be like some of the most just entertaining. Oh, absolutely. Stuff you you can run into like I was. And I think I played like RuneScape for a while when I was a teenager, and like you get on like RuneScape message boards, and oh, like, I bet it's wild, bro. Well, probably, Rune... Maybe like maybe rivaling hardcore message well, boards. Well, like... I know the RuneScape like uh, memes are like out of control, you know. Like I don't even like I don't understand them because I don't play the game, but like I see them and I fucking laugh. I think it's awesome, you know. Mm. But yeah, I mean like. The message board, I mean, message board culture when I was getting into like hardcore and punk was like a very big thing. Um, Like the early 2000s was like all about that stuff. And zines were still pretty important then too because, you know, the things hadn't really kind of like uh, really developed with the internet as much yet until about the mid 2000s, mid to late 2000s, obviously. So um, listening and hearing about new bands and stuff like that was mostly still through flyers and message board posts. And and now you're on... Bridge Nine, originator <laughs> of the B Nine, the yeah. infamous, the infamous so. B Nine, which is really funny. I was on it today because uh, I only I only go on there now just to. Uh, 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 there's a, a group that they do like bootleg and like fan club shirts, and mm-hmm. I really like fan club shirts. So, um, and uh, I just go on there just to see like what's being posted or what like who's making what or whatever. Because um, you used to be able to go on there and get like some pretty good information, right? But uh, now it's just. There's all kinds of, and there's people on there that aren't even like really connected to hardcore that go on the B9. But I remember when uh, the B9 broke the case of the Jeep bra. Uh, I don't know if you you know what I'm talking about, but no, Jeep about Jeep bra is this picture of this guy in a fucking Jeep, <laughs> and he's like yelling out of the Jeep, and it's just like a really funny. It's like one of like one of like the first pictures of like the internet and like the meme culture and everything like that. And, uh, they tried to find who this guy was. Right. And it's just like a ridiculous meme, like just a ridiculous picture, but they ended up like working together with a bunch of people and like ended up finding like the guy, the actual person, who, the Jeep bra. Guy. I guess that, I guess that kind of stuff happens more on Reddit these days, yeah. but like you, you will run into some good like detective work on message boards occasionally. Mm. Absolutely. And I would say like Reddit is probably more in line with what the B9 is now or was, I guess I should say. I, I don't really know what else gets like talked on there. It used to be a cool place where you get like, um, I'm really big into like collecting records and shirts and stuff like that and uh, tapes. And it used to be a really good place to just kind of meet people from all over, especially the board, the trade section where you could, you know, a lot of stuff would move. But really the introduction to Facebook marketplace and all those groups and everything has kind of killed that culture a little bit. So now, like, I don't even know what people do when they go on there. I mean, that's to get their news or stuff like that. I don't have no idea. Yeah. So. Um, so you're going to these um, earlier, you know, Kansas City hardcore shows where, you know, you found out about them on the message boards or through the flyers and stuff. So what were some of the first bands, like local bands, I guess, that you were seeing and maybe the first one that you got involved with? The first one that I had, like, like band that I um, became friends with or, or, or just like some of the early, like the bands you saw a lot and, oh, that, sure. and then the first one that you joined. So for like punk bands, like crap core was like awesome and anxiety attack. Um, I didn't go to the show, but the infamous anxiety attack show at the, uh, um, what was it at the, the Brookside community center? I can't remember which, where it was. I think it was like in June, January of some year we're fucked played. Um, which was really sick, but I, I didn't go to that show. What, what um, happened to that show? It was just insane. I mean, just think about having like a punk show in 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 a uh, rec center, right? Mm-hmm. It's just 
and Kansas City has been short of like all ages venues. So like that whole idea, and I think Garrett McBride got into some shit there. I don't remember. Maybe he got into a fight or something. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just wild. But uh, those were like. I remember like those shows, like even before, like I said, like I, I can't remember who the show was, uh, but like, you know, like 18 Visions. Like I remember Throwdown in Terror. That was like 2004. Um, so you're probably at like a bunch of Torian shows? Yeah. I mean, I would say 95% of all the shows I went to were at the El Torian. There was the Spitfire for a little bit. I went to shows at the Spitfire. Um, but not many. And then, of course, when those closed down, Jesse and Ricky... I think mostly Ricky and then Jesse and Jordan helped uh, book shows for uh, the anchor. And then Jordan opened up the Valhalla. Mm-hmm. So there'd be a lot of shows there. And I would say that the Autorion was like a time where I was going to shows um, and, you know, probably meeting people. But the the era of like the anchor and Valhalla and stuff, that was where I probably became more involved in punk and hardcore. So I don't know when that was, 2000 and six 2000, 2006 probably um maybe 2005 i don't remember but anyways um so that was probably uh i would say those were like some of the shows that i remember like probably most more fondly and i think we're fucked for me was like a band because jesse was in that band and i was friends with jesse and so i think for me that was kind of like my transition to more um more punk you know, more bare bones, like hardcore punk stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, no frills, kind of just fast, aggressive music. Um, and uh, that and Give It Up, which was like a band that Nick Beffert was in. Both, uh, I think Jesse, um, Dustin, Taylor Madden, Daniel were in, was in that band. Um, so, yeah, those were like the bands that kind of like, you know, moved over. You know, honestly, I think about it. It had to have been earlier that because Sarius U started in 2008. So it had to be like 2005 at least when I started going to those shows at the Anchor and stuff. But regardless, 2008 is when uh, me, Jesse, Taylor, and Daniel had started Sarius U. Awesome. Uh, so that, that was your first band that you'd... Yeah, that was my first band. I made up a band one time to a girl. I think, I don't know what it was, middle school. I told her I was in this band called Sin, S-Y-N. And it was like this like doom goth band because I like that stuff. <laughs> so so then eventually she's like, hey, can I can I hear your band? And no, like, you know what I did? You do. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> The, I don't can't remember the brand or whatever, but you, when you could get CDRs back in like the early 2000s, you could get them that were colored. They were a little bit more expensive than the regular ones. Mm-hmm. So I got a, a green one. Obviously, I love typo negative. So I got a green one, right? And it was uh, the brand was like verbatim or whatever it's called, the ver- verbatim or whatever. Anyways, and then I got a black magic marker and I wrote SYN on it. Here's the thing. That was actually a demo of a friend of mine that sounded kind of like that. And I just like had him just burn me the copy and I wrote that on there and gave it to her. Oh, and, and I had one of those thin jewel cases that was also green too. That's wild. Yeah, it's true, man. We're going to say, oh, and one time I, uh, a girl, I think I was like in fourth grade or fifth grade. Uh, I wanted her to like be my girlfriend. So um, I got this like old basketball and printed off at the uh, library, Michael Jordan's signature. And so I tried to retrace the signature on the ball and give it to her and say, hey, look what I got you. Uh, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. It was pretty bad, but she didn't know any different. So and she ended up being my girlfriend. So that's. It's pretty sick. You're, you're a smooth guy, Antonio. I don't know if I would say I'm smooth, but again, I'd say I'm resourceful. I'm an opportunist. <laughs> okay, so um, sorry, excuse. You know, 
is a band, I, I think, for a lot of people, at least that I know, that are maybe, like, uh, at least, like, a couple years older than me. Like, I think that was a pretty important band for a lot of people that just, like, so that was after you had been going to shows for a little, and then you're finally getting to start your own bands with the people you met. I think for the shows that I started going to back in, like, 2012, 2013, the people who were finally starting bands then, Sorry Excuse, and that wave of bands was, like, kind of influential to them. So, yeah, I think that's you know, just kind of where I fall in the... That's you know. good to hear, because honestly, I've, uh, I, I'm have i a really bad judge of stuff like that. Uh, I'm a really bad judge of people actually like uh, anything that I do, you know, so uh, or anything that I'm a part of, really. So, like, that's really cool to hear, um, as Sorry Excuse is like a band that for me is a very important band. Uh, Spine is very important to me for different reasons than Sorry Excuse. Sorry Excuse for me is like a band that I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my friends then. I learned a lot about how I wanted to kind of live my life and the things that I wanted to take from it. Um, I experienced things in it that I never thought I'd ever experienced before. So for me, it was like a really special special thing for me, um, special band. Um great group of guys. Um, but I think, you know, I wonder sometimes cause I, I don't know if like people actually ever liked that band to be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, we had friends and people liked it then, but I don't like the material and everything. I don't know if it'll like ever stand the test of time, but I mean, that's cool that, that that was like something that you liked at least then. So yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, that was you know the first band that you did and you were, you were able to put out two seven inch records through that band and, where where did the where did you guys get to tour in that band? Oh man, so that band was cool because like <clears throat> for me, like I I traveled a little bit, but not like a ton, right? So I'd been to Miami several times, Michigan and stuff. But Jesse, like Jesse had, uh, he, you know, Jesse was real motivated. So like we, you know, we started the band like late summer, two thousand eight. Had the demo and first seven, or sorry, the demo and the first show. Um, December 30th, 2008, by that late winter, early spring, we were on, we were doing a weekend, excuse me. And we, uh, we're supposed to play Chicago and I'd never been to Chicago. So we were supposed to play Chicago, which was the punk stone drink volume two show, which we were trying to hop on really bad. Um, but we ended up, uh, not playing. We played Toledo, Bowling Green, and maybe that was it actually. It was supposed to be like a three day thing, but it ended up maybe just being two shows. But, um, you know, we got to do stuff like that. We toured out East, um, twice, um, which was cool stuff that I, places I'd never had been to before and never thought I would be able to go to the idea of being in a band and growing up with this idea of playing music and then being able to like travel on it. And like, let's face it, like most people listen to like hardcore punk and thinks it's like absolute dog shit to their ears. Right. But like people that get it and understand it, like that can take you as anywhere you want to go. Right. As long as you respect it. And, you know, with sorry excuse, I learned that as well. And, um, you know, we got to do a lot of, a lot of cool stuff with that. And, um, it was kind of like my entry into like what that world is like, what it's like to play in front of people, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, sorry, excuse was a, uh, straight edge band. And so what point in like your, you know, dive into hardcore and punk, did you kind of realize that you were going to be straight edge? Like, 
is that like a mindset that you had before you got into the music or were you exposed to it through like listening to bands and stuff? No, not at all. So basically, uh, I, when I was like younger and stuff, like I like knew what alcohol tastes like. I'd never been drunk. I'd never done drugs. I knew what cigarettes tasted like, I guess. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I just never really liked it. Um, and then, I don't know. I guess it's one of those things that, like, then you find out that, like, oh, like, I'm not just, like, that dog from the Dare commercials. Like, I am that dog. But, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, there's, you know, Straight Edge is a kind of, like, a something that's tied in a little bit more with, like, you know, kind of, like, those punk ideals to a certain extent. And so I think once I figured that out, it just kind of made sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I went through like a period of time where I thought it was like kind of weird to like label yourself straight edge. So like a real funny story is, um, Dylan, uh, one of my best friends who plays in a few incredible bands, uh, inner altar and Keith and a bunch of others. Um, we're sitting at the like playground and at Liber- uh, the Liberty high school. And, um, I remember talking to him and being like, man, I don't think you should claim edge. Like, I just think it's like, so, so, and like during this time period, this was like when like you would see like straight edge stuff being sold at like hot topic. I mean, there was a like, whole bastardization of this whole like you know straight edge movement and i was just like dude you shouldn't do it or whatever and i remember he was like whatever so we went by you know x dylan drugs x or whatever for a while like on myspace or whatever and uh yeah and then he ended up breaking edge or whatever like and so which is whatever but you know it just kind of like one of those things i went through this period i was like this i don't want to like label myself as anything and um i just am what i am you know and i would say like now like my mindset with it is like very much the same i'm 28 don't don't drink, don't do drugs, still straight edge. Um, you know, I'm not like militant or anything about any of those things, but mm. at least for me, it's, it works and until it doesn't. Right. So, yeah. and so what, what kind of like stuff, like you said, straight edge stuff was being like sold at hot topic at that point. Like what kind of stuff was that? Like, like, so, um, you know, you had like shirts and like shorts, just the three X's straight edge. You could buy like the fake, like, straight edge like swatches and stuff and like a lot of the bands you know like that whole metalcore movement of like the mid 2000s when like throwdown was getting really big and like 18 visions was getting big and um those bands that were like popular like bleeding through like popular bands that were like kind of repping that like whole straight edge thing and talking about it a lot or whatever uh everybody and their grandmother that was into any type of extreme music didn't even have to be metalcore like was like yeah i'm sure especially in high school it's like no you're not i remember a band in particular like liberty had a bunch of a few bands going on there you know dylan's band this is war and then there's manhattan massacre and like there was like just like a lot of bands around that time that were just like trying to claim like straight edge and it was just like it became like a gimmick you know it was just like all right, like, this is silly because the people that, like, aren't part of this whole trend or whatever, like, it just makes everybody look stupid, right? So that was kind of, like, my whole thing. Like, I don't want to, like, look like an idiot, you know? But then you just don't care because you're in high school and you're like, fuck it, whatever, you know? Mm. So, you know, over the years kind of seeing some of your friends that you'd ha- you had been, like, in straight edge bands with and, like, in the scene with for some time, like, seeing them break edge, was that something that was, like at least like initially like disheartening for you or did were you able to like kind of brush that aside pretty easily i would say n- not one of them ever like was it was ever disheartening to me there would be people there's friends of, of mine who are no longer straight edge now but they that would be they would get really upset about it they'd get bummed out about it and 
I think the reason why it just never bothered me is like my my relationships with with a lot of my friends are not based in uh, like straight edge, right? Mm. And I would say, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say they weren't based in music, right? But there's a lot of other things that strengthen that relationship and that friendship. So, you know, for me, it's just my my only ever concern was always like. You know, if, if that's what something you want to do, like, and if, you know, just making sure it's for like the right reasons, like I would much rather you just like someone just like smoke weed or whatever, or drink a beer just because they want to and not because they feel pressured because of a relationship that they're in or society or whatever it may be. Because then at that point, like, you know, it, you're, you're not really making those decisions for yourself. You're making them with the idea of that it will kind of uh, benefit, you know, someone else's ideology, right? Or, and ideas of how they perceive the way that you should be living your life, you know? So for me, it never bothered me at all. I've never, up until this point, I've not been bummed out or even surprised by people that break edge. I think uh, I would say most of all of my friends were straight edge at one point in time. And now all of them, except for a handful, aren't anymore, you know? So um, but there was a scene, you know, Kansas City had a, a pretty healthy, like, straight edge scene, um, straight edge hardcore bands, and just, um, you know, it was just, it was just awesome, you know, or just, just people being, like, involved, like, with, with straight edge, and, and just, and I don't mean involved, like, there's, like, some club or whatever, but, you know, just, like, you know, like, especially being in bands and music, stuff like that, you kind of know, like, from city to city, like, generally, like, who are, like, you know, the oldest people that are, like, straight edge, right, you know, you think of, like, Boston, you think of guys, like, DFJ and like Doug Free, you know, you think of like those guys that like you know, John and 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 Chicago, you know, you've got you just think about like you know that stuff, especially people that have like an impact on, on music, which is kind of cool, but we just don't uh, we don't really have that anymore. I actually don't even know who the oldest person is in Kansas City anymore. That's straight edge. It used to be Shroud, but he's not. And then I don't know, I don't know who he is. Mm. Maybe Vegan Neil. Yeah, probably Vegan Neil. Mm. Unless he's not straight edge anymore, which. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, in the comments section, please let us know yeah. if you are straight edge. <laughs> That'd be awesome, actually. <laughs> Good to know. Like, everyone in Kansas City who is straight edge, I think, needs to comment on this video and let us know your status, you know, if you've been straight edge within the last five years. Exactly. Or if not, you're on edge watch. <laughs> oh, man. Just, like, seeing that whole, like, like I'm, I'm not even, like, close friends with, like, all the guys from, like, that have been in, like, Sorry Excuse and kicked in and all the Kansas City Straight Edge bands, but, like, kind of seeing, like, the wave of, like, people breaking edge, like, on social media, at least, was, like, at least kind of funny to watch. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing that I remember when Jesse broke edge, which is, like, not surprising because, like, this dude was, like, he was probably secret sipping the whole time. He was he would do this thing where he would take, he'd be like, I'd be like hanging out because he'd always want to see if he get a rise out of me. And he would like, uh, he'd like take like, he'd be like get a beer or whatever. And he would like put a little bit in his mouth and just like, kind of like, just take a little like, like a little sip or then he would like spit it out. And, and like, he'd be like, what do you think about that? Like, I don't think anything about it. Like whatever. And so then eventually he broke edge. I remember I was like on a cruise or something like that, um, which is like a funny story, but I was like on a cruise and you can't like, there's no like service or whatever. So then I got like, hit up a bunch like oh jesse broke edge and then i can't remember who else broke edge that weekend um but somebody else did so it was like two people it was like double whammy um maybe it was tunks like no i remember when tunks did that was oh, it was way was after that um but yeah so i mean it, it was hilarious i mean it kind of turned into like a like a spectacle to a certain extent you know mm-hmm. i mean i was entertained but uh i think a lot of people I think a lot of people, I think Thrasher told me one point in time, I think after the last person that broke edge, he was like, yeah, you're going to be next. I'm like, well, 
Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so, but mm. whatever. So, yeah, and, you know, sorry, excuse, kind of ran its course and had a bit of a, a quiet ending, like we discussed. Like, you played that Salvation show at the Bad House, and that was kind of it. Um, so then you, you start spying either, like, a little bit. Well, let me, let me just interject. Yeah, go. Sorry, excuse did not end softly. Yeah. Yeah. So the, and I don't mean like oh, we okay. it ended on like a bad note or anything, mm-hmm. but that was a band that we, we actually had songs that we had, had I don't know if it was like six to eight songs that we were actually, um, we had, uh, recorded rough tracks for that we wanted to do an LP for. And I think it just got to a point where people just became disinterested in it that were in the band. And, uh, but I would say that like, and that's why it ended really was just cause like we just weren't as into it, but we still had we still had material, good material that we actually recorded it. I don't know if you actually ever heard it. Did you ever hear the song we did for, it was for like the failed punks, punks don't drink volume three. Um, if, if you posted it on Bandcamp, I probably yeah. heard it. Well, I don't think sorry excuse posted it. I think, um, third party records posted the song and, okay. um, we did two songs for it, but like most people never heard it. Right. Because we just kind of stopped doing it then. But that definitely was like a thing that like, and that's probably why, like I'm more like, I've always been kind of weird about like ever doing like getting together to do a last show or whatever. It's cause like, I mean, I love all the guys and everything like that, but I kind of feel like even though I don't feel like it ran its course, we kind of, it was like forced to run its course. And I think because of that, I think it's just better to just kind of like leave it the way that it is, you know? Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I uh, I would have liked to have like reached that kind of potential, you know, with any project that you do, whatever it is, you want it to just, you want to feel comfortable just being like, okay, like whatever happens now, like I've done everything I wanted to do with it um, collectively, obviously if you're with other people. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of feel like, you know, we, we didn't get to that point, but it just kind of came to a point because... We just didn't. Uh, we just weren't as interested. Not everybody was as interested. In, so okay. So I guess that was kind of a misconception. Mis- mis- well, most people I don't. Most people that. don't know that because I don't yeah. ever talk about it. This is an exclusive for oh, Shadowcock. Damn. Um, so either like a little before Sorry Excuse ended, or a little after uh, Spine got going. I th- yeah, it was like a little before like Sorry Excuse ended. I want to say Sorry Excuse. Like we'd announced, Starcy was announced an LP that was going to come out on um, a final LP that was going to come out, and um, yeah, it just didn't even like happen. And so, but that was around the time that uh, Spine had started, and we had, we had started, and then um, by 2012, we had uh, the demo had been out by the end of 2011 for Spine. And by 2012, you know, we had been we went on a tour with Weekend Nachos um, out to uh, California with Dead in the Dirt, and we did a weekend out there, and I think. Came back, I think 2013 was when that uh, Salvation gig was, probably sometime in the spring, mm-hmm. the show that I booked. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and then that, that was it. But, yeah, so it started just a little bit before. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I have a, a particular memory about that spine in the dirt run. Oh, where, I bet you do. Or they were, <laughs> well, maybe lack of memory is a better term. That's, yeah, the, the show where I got a, got my nose broke and a concussion while, because Thrasher just threw an elbow in yeah. my face and I had no idea what was going on. He's a bad guy. <laughs> like, he's a bad guy. He apologized after that. Like it, He was pretty scared. Yeah. He was pretty scared. He <laughs> thought you were going to call the cops. Oh, God. But, you know, honestly, I think at that point in time, I remember because, like, uh, I talked to you, like, coming to shows and stuff like that, and, and uh, 
I remember like people were kind of freaking out because I was a sh- I had booked that show. I got in a city ordinance, sound ordinance because it was Cinco de Mayo, I think that yeah. night, or it was like Cinco de Mayo weekend or something like that. And so I remember like Thrasher coming up to me. He's like really afraid that they call the cops or whatever. I was like, I think it'll be fine. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, he's cool. And I think at that point in time, I think that's where like like you had like some instant credibility because you could have easily called the cops on him, right? Uh, and not necessarily you, like your dad, you know, because yeah, like... I'm not a cop caller. No, yeah. yeah, my parents were like, hey, well, I don't, I don't think anybody wanted to call the cops. I think my parents were just like, who did this? They Maybe they should pay for the medical bills. Yeah. I think that was more of a concern, but I was like, like I, I think I just talked him out of it. Yeah, so. no, it makes sense, was, you know. But I mean, I mean, who knows? If it was my kid, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. But but yeah, so. so that's that's a fun memory. Great memory. That. My, I think my nose is still like a little bit like off center, but uh, let me see. Uh, like it, it points upwards at an angle. I think I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. Damn, maybe dude. <laughs> Fuck. No, it looks good. Okay, so yeah, uh, spine. You know. Uh, started being a thing back then you know you've been working up to the point where you have several records and you're about to put out this next lp with bridge nine but also recently you have started another band that you sing in called contrast oh, yeah, can you tell me yeah. about that Ben? uh yeah so contrast basically started because of um jacob and max wanted to start a band um, that sounded more, they wanted to do it. I had initially actually talked to a few of my friends that were still straight edge in Kansas city that we should do a straight edge band yep. and just, you know, just do it whenever we can or whatever, but just do like a few songs or whatever. Well, it didn't end up working out cause there was just two different ideas of what they wanted to do band wise. And so the straight edge band ended up becoming uh, no quarter they're not a stage band, but the but that became no quarter, mm-hmm. and then contrast became contrast. So, and contrast was more traditional, like kind of like Cleveland hardcore, kind of like uh, kind of like that harder edge stuff, and uh, which is stuff I I really love and wanted to do, and so. Um, and I wanted to try like a different vocal style and just a, just a different thing, and so that's kind of like how that how that band kind of came about, really. So. I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to notice like a pattern of like all these bands that you've sung in, like, you know, sorry, excuse is going along and right before it ends, you start spine. So maybe, I don't know. I don't want to assume anything, but like maybe spine won't be a band for too much longer and you'll just throw your energy, throw my energy into, into contrast? contrast. I don't know. I highly doubt it. You doubt it? Yeah. I highly doubt it only because I think that, uh, contrast is pretty, f- the cool thing about contrast is like every band I've been in, I've had to kind of like really move a lot with it, whether it's like doing mail order or, you know, kind of booking the shows or do whatever it needs to do. Contrast is a little bit more, it's just a little bit different. And so, uh, it's something I pay like less mind to. And, um, it's kind of a thing too. I mean, we've played like four shows since we've been a band and the last time we played was in, uh, was it Louisville or did we play Springfield? I think it was... I think it was Louisville. We played Louisville the pre-show for that uh, Midwest Blood. But, you know, since then we haven't played and we actually haven't even practiced, right? So, I mean, we've talked about playing shows and this and that, but I don't know. I don't I don't really see that as, as uh, I think it, I just see it as more of like kind of like a fun, like out, like alternative outlet. Um, I think if Spine ceased from being a band at any point in time, um, I'm not sure like what I would do like musically. Uh I would like to do something. I would like to play in a band, honestly. I have a bass, and I like fuck around with it all the time. But I like to actually play in a band. I've like fronted a bunch of bands. I like fronting a band. I think that's awesome. But um, 
making the music would be great too, you know? And I do a little bit of that. I've actually, I'm lying. I actually have only written one song and it was really just a riff that I lifted off of a typo negative song that I slowed down. So, <laughs> but yeah, so that's basically kind of like where I'm at, but I like your thinking. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like trying to put stuff into narratives yeah. even when it's not. So yeah. I, I can fault. see, I can already see the headline now, you know? Oh man, I'm not trying to like... <laughs> Go all clickbait and on. Yeah. Like, no, I don't know, man. I, I, I'd be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you put this up online and put it a picture of like me punching like you know an old lady or something <laughs> like that just to get people to get click on it. Man, I'm not like DJ Vlad or whatever. Like, <laughs> it could work. Uh, He's got a lot of but, views. <laughs> I, you are pretty into hip hop as well, though, right? Yeah, You've, yeah I love it. I don't know if you. I don't, I don't think you've ever really been like truly involved or like made hip hop music, but. You're, you know, you follow the genre pretty closely, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've, I I write a lot anyways, you know, and so sometimes like I'll write like just raps. I don't really have beats in mind, you know. I've done like some like really bad freestyling stuff just for fun, like mm-hmm. in the studio before. But um, yeah, I haven't really ever been like involved really in that. And, you know, it's funny you bring that up too. Even like the local scene, like I know like probably like... I actually know like probably five local artists, maybe, maybe six. And then the ones that I, I like that I've listened to, but the ones that I've like, like probably know about are mostly through you. Cause, uh, as far as like a vehicle goes, like uh, local hip hop and rap is so all over the place. Like everybody's got kind of like a different thing going on. There's not like a group, like, like a set group of like, you know, crew. I, I mean, aside from like the strange music guys, but like, you know, there's just like not like a cohesive kind of like scene there that I see, you know, and so it's a little bit intimidating to kind of get into stuff because like you know, you've got people from the dot, you've got people from independence. Yeah, so you never you, really know like what show yeah, will be. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say uh, Stick Figure was like the first local artist that I, and he's from Topeka. I yeah, think. he's great. He's, yeah, he's awesome. I can't remember. I think I got introduced to him maybe at like one of the pitch awards that we were nominated at and I like mm-hmm. got really into him. I think he's an incredible artist, but I mean, the guy's in Topeka, right? So it's like the, the scene here is just like very different and kind of intimidating, you know? It's not like the hardcore scene. You've got a lot of like, it's kind of incestuous with band members and stuff like that and, and the play, you know, guys playing with each other's shows a bunch, you know? So it's just a, it's kind of a different beast. But anyways, I love rap, love hip hop. Yeah, and I, and I do like, you know, I follow it pretty closely and like there are like a couple like kind of factions that I've kind of seen forming lately. So hopefully... You know, both of those or like maybe just a handful of those can kind of solidify some at some point like this year or next year. And like you can kind of start to grow like, you know, a larger outside following with them. So I hope I hope that's something that can happen soon, because, yeah, I I understand that it could it definitely could be kind of I mean, intimidating it'd be too. a great opportunity. I mean, it's a great opportunity to just sit there and just think about just like branding yourself as, you know, your crew. You like, I mean, I know like of, of a few smaller ones, you know, like my buddy, like King Lamont, like he just moved out to, to uh, LA. Um, but like, he's got a crew of guys that, that works with like King Doe's and all those guys. Um, you know, but I just think like if, if there was like a bigger kind of branding of it and if Kansas City had kind of like, kind of like more of a traditional style, uh, I'm sorry, not traditional, but like kind of like, like that Kansas City style, if there was like an established Kansas City style that wasn't like what people assume is just anything that sounds like Tech Nine, you know, um, would be would be cool too. Because I mean, having like someone like Tech Nine to like rep the city as hard as he does, 
is great, but you don't really see a lot of people kind of falling in line with that style. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that like that Kansas City style uh, is like the kind of horror rap stuff that Strange Music kind of like you know, help kind of develop like, you know, years ago, right? Yeah. That it's probably not even relevant anymore, but that's not what people think about, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it would be great. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And so where where did your, like, interest in hip-hop stem also? My parents. Uh, my parents, uh, so like I said before, my dad grew up in West New York, New Jersey. So which is just right across the Hudson River from Manhattan. Mm. So my dad spent a lot of time in New York, and that's you know that's how he got into punk and hardcore. But most importantly, rap and hip-hop. My dad was in a breakdancing crew. So like growing up, like rap was like a big thing like at the house. My dad now doesn't listen to any rap. He doesn't like it at all. Mm. Um, he actually doesn't listen to much anything except for talk radio, right? He's yeah. like super lame dad at this point. Except last week, we were driving to Minneapolis, and I got him, uh, I caught him singing to... Uh, champagne supernova by oasis in the car it was hilarious but anyways so um anyways it was my dad and my mom too so uh and my parents are really young my my mom was 17 and my dad was 18 when they had me so uh, and this was 88 so um we listened to a lot of especially like the east coast west coast stuff um like growing up so that was like a huge staple like dre Nas, tupac biggie uh Snoop, like, you know, all like the, I mean, when that exploded, it exploded, right? And so it just hit every corner. And, and I grew up listening to that stuff unedited. You know, I remember uh, getting a Warren G CD, the Warren G Regulate CD. And then I remember my dad taking it away from me only because I had curse words in it. Um, and ever since then, I just been, I was just like so like infatuated with like wanting to listen to music. Uh, in its purest form, like not any of the edited stuff. I wanted to listen to it for what it was. Um, but, you know, that was kind of like my entry level into like rap and hip hop. And then, of course, when, like, I remember when Tupac died. I remember when Biggie died. I remember, I also remember the, the entire like South explosion. So I would say that like I listened to rap and hip hop up until like Tupac and Biggie died. I started paying attention much more to it when the South kind of rose, when it came with, you know, with No Limit Records and Cash Money. Like that was really like, that's probably like the era I was really into. And that's what really like catapulted me into the stuff I, you know, I listen to now. So, so you're a big Wayne fan. I do. I love Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Wayne's incredible. I think even, even now, like I, I would say like, I have no idea if, you know, if, if his next record's going to be, you know, shit or not. Right. But the one thing that Wayne has is something that, that gets copied a lot, whether it's his style gets copied a lot. I would say, um, you know, he may not have like full records, but he's definitely got bars still. And I think there's a lot of modern rappers need to give it up to someone like Wayne because he kind of like invented this whole, whole, like, you know, play on words, like thing, you know, which a lot of rappers take up now. So a lot of people like to say a lot of, you know, this and that about him. But I mean, at one point in time, he was regarded as like the goat right now. People probably put him in the top five and stuff or top 10 maybe, but um, probably more top 10, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Wayne was awesome. You know, my favorite though, from the era was Master P, mm. uh, Percy Miller. I mean, I remember watching the, uh, make him say on music video. I was so sick. I got a wife beater and wrote, uh, no limit records on it and wore it to school. <laughs> I got, I did one for rough riders too, for DMX, like love that stuff. Right. It was just, it was just different. Like, I don't know. It was awesome. Right. And well, yeah, so it's kind of unsure where Wayne's, like, creative career is really at right now because yeah. he's, like, stuck in this weird, like, record limbo. But the other day, like, it finally, like, 
I don't know why like they chose to do it like so recently, but have you heard about the the T Pain Lil Wayne tape that just T Wayne? Like, yeah, T Wayne. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was I, like I, almost ten years in the making. Yeah, I listened to that the other day, and like you can tell it was made, you know, in the two thousands. It has that that same sound, and like there, it, it was a lot of fun to listen to. I don't know if you've heard any of that. I've I saw it got released last week, but I haven't listened to it yet. I will have to check it out for sure. Yeah, I think like, T Pain released it, right? Was that the the rumor that he's the one that kind of like finally leaked it? Yeah, I would I would have to guess that it was him. So yeah. Yeah, so that uh, that's I think that's definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of like, like just classic era Wayne. Absolutely, yeah. But you know you've you've also you, you've you've been into like I don't know I've had conversations with you about a lot of different rap over the years and I, I know you told me that you I think you attended the first Drake show that came to Kansas. No, oh, I no, wanted you, you to. Missed out on missed out on it at the gym you, at the gymnasium. Okay. I do like Drake though, yeah. so like. If you want to talk shit, talk shit. But I do like Drake, so. Oh, Drake makes some good music. Yeah, more life, more life, more more, more tune for your head top. Yeah, everything. More more podcasts for your shuttlecock. <laughs> Damn! Look at you! No. Holy shit! No. Wow, that's awesome. It's just you know off the dome, you know. Off the dome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you know we've got um about an hour here. I guess we'll kind of wrap up so um just to recap what should people be looking out for you know just regarding your music and everything you've been working on yeah i guess um you know just be on the lookout for the next spine record um you know we've got a gig coming up here in uh two weeks uh at the encore room with a given protester uh youth pool and altered beast um so yeah i mean i would just say uh check it out come to shows uh you know, start zines, um, start blogs, start bands. Doesn't matter what it sounds like. Doesn't matter what you want to write about. Like, just do something, you know, like uh, just come out. People are friendly. So awesome. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming through and just sitting down with me here for this. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Awesome. Shuttlecock for life. Actually, I tried to get into the show yesterday. I told Jacob, I said I was part of Shuttlecock and he wouldn't let me in. <laughs> So it's not it's not quite a, a universal thing yet. I'm I'm working on you know just getting that all set up. Uh, Rule reporter. Rule reporter. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say with, I'm with them. At, yeah, at, just say with another them. show. Yeah, exactly. Sure that'll be. It'll work. Easy. One hundred percent. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming through. Yep.